Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. What's up, everyone? This is Dave Meyer, your host for On The Market. And today we have a super cool show for you. We are bringing on three different super experienced lenders to help us all understand the state of the borrowing and lending market for 2023. As we all know, we've talked about ad nauseum for the last year or whatever. Uh, interest rates have been going up, and that has really shifted the types of loans that are available, the way that mortgage companies are working. And as an investor, it's really helpful to understand the intricacies of the mortgage industry because it helps you get better loans and just become a better borrower, find better products that are more aligned with your real estate investing strategy. So it's a super cool episode. We have a great lineup of people who are on. And just as a recommendation, if you are looking for a lender or want to understand more, check out biggerpockets.com slash loans. It's completely free. There's great places where you can connect with lenders who are specifically working and geared towards investors. So it's not just conventional loans where you can find things like a disc, uh, debt service coverage ratio loan or different bridge financing options. So definitely check that out because you're going to hear about some of these different loan products that are available for investors that aren't really meant for conventional home buyers. And if you hear something on this episode that you're really interested in and want to learn more about, biggerpockets.com 
com slash loans is a great way to do that. So with that, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with our lender panel. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Let's all welcome in our lending panel today. I'd love you all to just go and explain a little bit about your specialty and who you are. And Christian Batchelder, could you please, let's start with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, appreciate you inviting me here and, and happy to take part in it. Um, I'm Mom Christian. I am David Green's business partner, co-owner and founder um, and managing broker of The One Brokerage, um, which, you know, it's been mentioned a number of times, but... Um, I think I'm the only broker here, so kind of cool we're getting a, a kind of varying uh, stance on uh, on the markets. So excited to take part in it. Awesome, great. And and in that role, do you mostly focus on residential real estate or or lending? Do or do you have a any particular niche? Yeah, we're definitely a little bit of a we we got a lot of tree branches kind of branching off from the main one. If I had to say what our what our trunk was, so to speak, though, absolutely one to four residential um, is is the majority of our business. Um, while we do have commercial programs and, you know, kind of a wide variety of, of kind of niches that we can branch off into one to four, um, anywhere from conventional through DSCR and, you know, kind of more creative loan products when, when someone doesn't qualify conventionally is definitely our bread and butter. All right. Awesome. Matt Nicer. How about you? Yeah. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. Um, Matt Nicer, CEO and co-founder of Lending One or national lender for investors around the country. So 40 some states. We specialize both in, it's all one to four family, largely a little bit of multifamily, but let's assume all one to four and a lot of long-term rentals. So we specialize in lending to landlords and also a little bit of fix and flip and short-term type um, lending programs. I think where we probably excel is the long-term lending 30-year fixed rate loans, comparable to a little bit different than a conventional lender, a little bit easier to get qualified. And then we have a larger program for for large investors, non-recourse, large portfolios of properties up to say fifty million dollars. Awesome, great! And then for our final guest today, we have Bill Tesser. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Bill Tesser, President and CEO of uh, Civic Financial. Similar to Matt's company, uh, we're a national lender, um, specialized really in a handful of products. Your your DSCR products, which is really five seven and ten one IOs. Uh, your your bridge and fix and flip and multifamily as well. Uh, balance is probably uh, 45% bridge, 45% rental, and about uh, 10% multifamily. Um, and I think it's just under 40 states. Wow, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like we have a great wealth of experience here for lending, and uh, this is something we've really wanted to dive into on the show, you know, as investors, we deal with uh, lenders and work with lenders all the time. Uh, but in hearing from you, uh, we'd love to know your insights into the industry and and sort of what we can expect 
um, over the coming year or so. Uh, so, Bill, let's start with you. How would you say the uh, rising interest rate environment over the last nine months has impacted your business? I think the first thing I'd say is that it had a huge impact on our industry. So not just when I say industry, I mean the whole lending industry. So if you think about it from a conventional side, and I spent the first 30 years of my career on the conventional side and developed a lot of long-term relationships there, and it it literally gutted um, that industry, um, probably second only to the financial crisis. And it, in, in many of these uh, instances, they had volume levels down 80, 90 percent, 80, 90 percent. They couldn't you know, cut their way out of those problems. I think uh, that continues um, as it relates to our space. I think Matt would agree that a lot of the smaller folks, medium sized folks uh, really took it on the chin. Um, they they had uh, a whole bunch of loans sitting on their warehouse lines that got retraded. Uh, by their capital partners. And so, you know, they go into those trades uh, uh, above par and they come out significantly under. Some of those trades are still taking place right now as Wall Street picks through uh, those portfolios. So I think it it really screwed up the capital markets on the BPL side and forced uh, the companies that are still around really to reset um, and find a pricing level that could at least be at par. So they were originating for origination fees and, and, and junk fees. And, and I, I think the level is there now. I think you, you're starting to see it's the beginning of the year, more of those Wall Street guys coming back into the market. And I think it's actually pretty darn good um, for some of the folks that are still around. But yeah, I mean, big shakeup, Dave. Uh, and it, and probably still a little more to come on some of those peripheral lenders that are you know hanging on by a thread. Matt, are you seeing something similar? Yeah, I mean, I largely agree with Bill. I think you know, the fortunate part for probably both of us is there's been a sort of demise line of large lenders and smaller lenders, and sort of the in between. Probably if you were small or large, you're probably okay. If you were in the twi- in, in between, it was probably much more challenging for for those folks. But as it relates to borrowers, I think. It's a big reset on the way that you look to underwrite a deal, and probably for the audience here, it's you know you were. If I rewind twelve months ago, maybe in, I started in January of last year, and we had rates in the fours, basically thirty-year fixed, which I guess when I started the business I thought would have been crazy, and then that ended up happening, and people were excited and people were buying stuff and could afford to probably pay the premiums that were out there to buy properties. And I think the big shift that's happened is now that rates, not just ours, it's really across the whole mortgage industry as we, a conventional rate at, you know, tipping to seven, 7% last year is a huge shakeup, both for us as lenders and, and, and investors as a whole as to how do we navigate? And I think that's really what a lot of investors were struggling with of what do I do in my strategy? Does it have to shift? How do I, how do I navigate rates going from four and a half to seven? And that happening very quickly, I think probably the, the quickest that's ever happened in history. So that's what I think really this uncertainty is what created so much uncertainty for borrowers and investors understanding what, what am I going to do into 2022? We do feel like most people have now sort of come to the realization this is a new normal at this point and are adjusting their strategy. And we've started seeing that last quarter. I think Q2, Q3, people were just confused and, and didn't know what to do really, frankly. Um, so that's, that's what we're seeing. If you think about what Matt says, like 
So they, I think the stats on uh, a typical investor going into the rate increase was making about 67,000 a transaction in and out all in return on their investment. So if you think about rates going up, let's just say 200 basis points, and in some cases more, but at 200 basis points on a half a million bucks, it's $10,000 of carry for the year. And so now they're making 57,000. And at least what our experience has been is that the investors are still in there. They got they got people on their payrolls, the bigger firm, the bigger groups. And so they're still going in and making trades. They're 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 negotiating better deals on the buy side. Yeah, their cost of capital is cheaper, but now contractors are coming back into into the space and and supply chains are a little bit better. So they pick up on some areas, lose on cost of capital. And you know, 57 isn't a bad number if that's the average return on your investment or transaction. And so we haven't really seen a lot of our investors, man, I don't know about you or Christian, if you guys have seen a lot of your investors completely get out. I think they've just reset expectations, as you mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, like from a volume perspective, now you have these new rate levels, I, you know, we really haven't seen a dip off, um, which is, that's probably the biggest surprise for me. Like I, I, at least mentally, I was rethinking the way 23 would look like from a volume perspective, but I, I actually think it, it it's still going to be good. Um, and I think just everyone's reset expectations and, you know, it, and, and, and living with the new, no, the new norm. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking as you were talking and I think there's a, there's a added layer to it too, that especially us three, I know we're all very like investor focused, right? We're, you know, with bigger pockets, we're like, you know, trying to be in this realm. And I think it, there's been a concentration of buyers into the people who are knowledgeable and, you know, not everybody's able to just, oh, I have $10,000 increased carrying cost. You know, no, not everybody's capable of adjusting their plans to, you know, accomplish still success in that realm. Right. And that's why I think, you know, when we're talking about the large and the small lenders, typically that it's all the people who kind of just did the in-between loans as well, right? Not just the volume wise, but it's the in-between loans of maybe the intermediate experience, right? Maybe the non-experience, but really fine-tuning systems. Like you said, they may be making extra premium on, on, you know, maybe they're saving on contractors. Maybe they're saving on, uh, you know, the supply chain's cheaper, the cost of, you know, uh, you know, wood is cheaper, whatever it is. Right. And, and experienced investors and people who have been through the, the the trials and tribulations of what I know you guys do a lot of fix and flips with me, it's, you know, running accurate numbers on, on rentals, right. Running accurate numbers on maybe short-term rentals, right. Um, being able to, you know, educate yourself on, man, what is this market compacted or is there something unique that can be, you know, taken advantage of here with, with the right staging. Um, I think really, I haven't seen a pullback, but I've definitely seen a concentration into a fewer number of hands, which I think is a really interesting market trend. So Christian, you're saying that total volume is remaining at a pretty steady state, but it's just fewer people taking on higher volume per person or per investor? Yeah, the vol I don't want to misconvey. Volume just on a grand total is down, but volume per investor, if that's a, a metric that I could use, is definitely up. It is now. Yeah, so I, I just think it, there's a larger amount happening per person that we work with. Which is kind of interesting when you think of total volume being down, but volume per person. You know, I can't think of a whole lot of people that we're doing our very first loan for. Like so many of our clients are repeats. So many of our clients are experienced. They know what they're doing. They've run their numbers. And, you know, just like Bill shared, you know, that extra $10,000 holding costs, if they're making 57 versus 67, a lot of investors still take that, 
right? And they just pivot their numbers a little bit and they find a way to make it work, right? So that that's an interesting trend that I've seen kind of take place in our firm, you know, kind of encapsulated there. One thing I'm curious about, given given what you're saying about investor activity, uh, all three of you, is are the types of loans and loan products that investors are interested in changing at all? Matt, let's let's start with you. Yeah, I think a little bit is the answer. And it depend again, depending on their strategy coming into the year last year and you know what if they were building a rental portfolio and relying on what what a lot of clients and you know, I see on bigger pockets quite a bit is sort of like the Burr strategy coming in, buying, renovating, hopefully refinancing and then pulling equity out. I think the biggest shift I've seen is the challenge of them actually getting equity out at this point to keep keep that velocity going that they were had before or got a little bit accustomed to. Whereas I think three or four years ago, I don't think the perception was that every deal I did, I'd pull out all my equity. I think it was I, every deal, at least I kept some equity in the deal. And I think that mentality changed a little bit, particularly with COVID when prices were appreciating so rapidly that people got accustomed for 2022 is basically I got to pull out equity on every single deal and just keep on going. Um, now that isn't a true, true product shift, but I've seen that shift of on the back end refinance them trying to evaluate, okay, can I keep the same deal level up on the buy side that I kept up a year or two years ago effectively? So that's the one thing I'm, I am noticing a little bit. And, you know, honestly values are down in some markets five or 10% already. I don't think it's on all markets clearly, but you're seeing both values in a little bit, or at least more conservative values from appraisers. And then you have this, you know, LTVs and they're, they're might have to bring a little bit of money to close. And that's a, that's a strange concept for a lot of people that have been uh, <laughs> doing transactions the last few years. Although Imagine that. you go back five years ago, that was like, you know, you expected it. Yeah. I can piggyback on that for sure. I can't tell you how many times we've had the conversation of, is a burr a fail if I don't 100% cash out the funds I invested? It's like, no, man, you, just, you know, you're getting 60% of it back. Make that keep rolling, right? It, it doesn't make the strategy completely null and void. It's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pivot, right? Yeah, I think the, for the, what we've seen is if I, if I do a 24-month look back, we were, we were heavy bridge and fix and flip and then really became super heavy on the rental. I think part of, part of the success... And Matt, you probably saw this too, but we we inherited a bunch of loans and customers where lenders just couldn't deliver at the at the closing table. And so, you know, was that really organic growth or were, you know, did we have staying power, right place, right time? Probably the latter, right? And and so we saw a big swing in in the rental um units, not volume, units uh through 2022 almost to like 65%. So I think like we did, we closed just about 3 billion last year and 65% of that was rental. That last quarter and, and and going into this quarter, looking at the pipeline, what we're seeing our investors do right now is they're just paying the higher whack on the bridge because they don't want to get locked into a prepay uh, in these you know high coupon rental loans, believing that rates are going to come down in the very near future. And, you know, whether that's true or not, I, I mean, I do, I do get it, Matt. I don't know if you, you or Christian heard the last, um, uh, the last conference I was at the IMN conference and they were talking about new products. And one of the products that's been floated around there 
is kind of a hybrid between the the rental with the with the prepay and the bridge. So a little bit lower whack than bridge, a little higher than rental, no prepay component. So people could kind of go into nomad land for a little bit and decide whether rates are going up or down. Probably going down long term, but you know, this quarter a little rocky. Um, but yeah, so like right now we're 50 50 uh, on, on bridge to rental. We've seen a big swing recently. And, and whack just for listeners is weighted average cost of capital, right? Yeah. Weighted average coupon. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, coupon. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. My wife always says, I uh, talking to my boys that are in, <laughs> talking at the table. She goes, you guys sound like you're, you know, foreigners. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to make sure I'm tracking. Um, yeah. And then, you know, with uh, Christian, especially curious in the residential space, like I hear a lot about uh, sellers buying down, uh, that buying down rates for people. Are you seeing that pretty frequently? Oh, yeah. On a, I, I think last month we did a little internal audit. I think we got inset on our purchases. I think we got seller credits on like 90% of them. Oh, wow. I mean, it was like that level where, and I mean, granted, that's like the realtors that we work with. We help coach them to like, Hey, we have a two, one buy down program, like go negotiate seller credit, right? The sellers, you know, the house has been on the market for 90 days, <laughs> right? Like it's, it kind of becomes the obvious trend once a couple of realtors pick up on it. Um, but especially if bar, our, our borrowers are also coached, right? So they're, you know, they're advising the realtor, Hey, I want, you know, I want to get the interest rate from eight months ago, you know, 12 months ago, whatever it is. Right. Um, and even though that, you know, it's, the two one buy down program is a short, you know, a, a temporary buy down, right? So that's that's a really big product right now in the conventional space where, um, you know, the first year you're two percent lower, the second year you're one percent lower, and there's even a three two one buy down that's gets a little expensive at that point. But uh, they're really cool products, and we're we're utilizing it a lot. Um, and I know I think even you guys, Bill, I don't know if Civic's got a a, a buy down. I so everybody understands. I'm a broker. I actually work with both. Civic and Lending One. Um, so we're on their wholesale space. Um, so I'm somewhat familiar with their products, but I don't know if you guys are seeing more of those. I don't know if you guys are implementing buy-down programs, but um, that's my experience. You know, the loans are expensive on the BPL side anyways. On the conventional side, if you start with a little bit of rebate, then you get the par, then you buy into through points. It's a little different than maybe what Matt or, or I get to see because people are paying quite a bit of points if they're going to buy that right now. Loan still has to have value somewhere. Um so yeah, I, I don't see a lot of it. I do believe that on your side, Christian, just having having links to you know some of the biggest firms in the nation, they have to come out with new products and they have to come out with new products like right now, or you'll see big companies, publicly traded companies fall. 100%. They have to come. The three, two, one buy down, graduated payment mortgages, qualifying at the start rate, IOs. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if if real estate values weren't so uncertain right now, in some areas, you'd see NEGAM loans work their way back in to the market as, you know, like back in the 06, 08 time. So I just, I think they have, the only thing conventional space can do to save the majority of the conventional space is come out with products that are exciting for the marketplace to get back in there and buy. And you're doing it right now, Christian, with what you mentioned, more is coming. Oh yeah. You know, way to lead the group, but more is coming. I want to make sure I point that out for any borrowers. That's that's probably the best said that I've heard it is that these these programs aren't to a lot of people have told us the programs are to like save the housing market, right? Like, you know, have these temporary rate buy downs so people can still pay exorbitant prices. That's not the goal. It's exactly what Bill said. It's it's like this is what has to happen. 
right? There, there has to be a loan. To save the lenders, right? That's what you're saying. Not to save, it, yeah. Some capacity, yeah. And and granted, I mean, these guys are in different, you know, spaces and then in non-QM and, and bridge and fix and flip. But like the big, I mean, I don't know if you guys heard like, Loan Depot's wholesale went under, right? I mean, they don't they don't work with brokers anymore, right? I mean, there's there's these very very large lenders. I mean, we were talking about you know large and small kind of state. There are some big lenders they got out of the space too. You know, they the Amerisades and Loan Depot wholesale. So, I, I there's there's a little bit to that, Dave. You know, they got to come up with these programs to kind of save face at some point. You know, when when they they go in the right direction. So so that. It sounds like just just to make sure everyone's tracking this, there are programs right now like a two one where basically you can buy down your interest rate. Uh, Christian gave an example where you can buy down your rate by two percent for uh, a year and then one percent. Um, and this the the trend that as a listener or as a borrower you can consider is that costs money. You have to buy points to to get those reduced interest rates. But the trend is that you have this seller who's usually a motivated seller in this type of market, buy down those points for you. So you're able to get your purchase uh, and get a lower interest rate uh, on the seller's dime. But it sounds like what Bill and Christian are saying is that this is just the beginning potentially, and there might be other borrower uh, you know, attractive loan products that come out for borrowers uh, in the next couple of months. So I'm curious um, if you, any of you have recommendations for where listeners can sort of stay on top of this information, like what type of incentives and what type of new products are coming out that might be useful to investors. I think Christian's doing a pretty good job with his, his company, but the, the fact is you won't have to look very far, they'll find you. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, if I mean, all of us are on bigger pockets. Like, if you're just in a network or an environment, um, I mean, the the, the information is going to find you if you're even, you know, relatively searching for it, right? Um, so, I mean, get with a broker, get with a loan officer for one of these guys from one with my company. Um, it, it's really something where if you want to stay on, I mean, David and I had a had an episode on our on our series that we were doing where a new program came out when he was in escrow. That was for the deal. Um, David, I don't know if you were, uh, I think you were in the background that episode after, I think they brought you in. But literally as he was in escrow, a program came out. And I was like, this is a perfect match for you. And we pivoted, we completely canceled the loan, opened up a new one on an entirely separate product, right? And we only knew that because he was so fine-tuned into into what I had to offer. And obviously we're business partners, but I knew what he was looking for, right? So it's, Communication is key with your loan officers. Yeah, and I don't, I don't actually think it's just lenders trying to solve this. This is being solved at Wall Street. Like you got, you got a lot of bond traders that don't know what the hell to do with their time. Like just think about the green backwards. Matt and I were talking about golf earlier, but think about the green backwards. This stuff is being solved in Wall Street right now because there's just no trades on the conventional side. There's no trades. It is, it is tumbleweeds, like the way you would think about an old western, and so. Yeah, I do think they will come out with products. I'm actually quite blown away that the fourth quarter didn't show that, but I think there was so much trauma and some of that trauma is linked it kind of leaked into the first quarter that, you know, if I'm a gambling man, I would say you're going to see stuff this quarter that is going to be good for the market. Um and 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 Dave, when you know, when I think about 321 buy downs or 21 buy downs, I'm thinking about that as a product then you could employ Christian's strategy and you could buy that start rate down. But the product is a three, two, one, then am for the rest of the 27 years. But you could buy that loan down. And now you're now you're talking about a rate 
that people can, you know, get their arms around and yeah. live with, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two things about that. First, th I think this conversation just underscores the idea that you shouldn't assume just because you've seen a headline what interest rates are right now, that that's what you would be paying. And you should actually go out and talk to a broker and, and see what you can actually get and learn about some of these new products. Um, let me ask you this, uh, Matt, and and I guess all of you, is there a, an interest rate that you're seeing through some of these new products where people are comfortable? Because it seems like just looking at the market, once it hits 7%, things were going crazy. Uh, I mean, things really just halted. Is there like, do you have a sense of like what the sweet spot is where buyers and borrowers are feeling like that's a tolerable rate? I, I think it's also like I was indicating before is that if you pencil your deal to start, if I'm writing a deal and I'm talking to the investor side, then we'll talk about conventional sort of like I'm a home purchaser looking for my house. Um, if I'm an investor and I underwrite from day one and say the rate's going to be 7% and I'm able to get 10% off on that deal now that I was overpaying by 5%, you know, nine months ago or six months ago, it's tolerable. It's just more of a mental thing of getting comfortable actually doing that. Now, three or four months ago, I would say that if if the rate was in the sixes, when it got into the sevens, people started to get jumpy because they were used to paying four and five. And then it jumped to seven or eight. And then when that came back underneath seven, that was a mental trigger as you're talking about to say, okay, I'm interested again. But practically, I my personal view is if if someone's underwriting day one, they can get comfortable with any rate as long as values that they can buy the deal right, right? And that was like the sellers hadn't adjusted yet. I think you're starting to see sellers adjust now. And then on the conventional side, I mean, you're starting to see it. It's like, there's not much inventory at all, but you're seeing all the things that were, you, you are, at least in my markets that I follow, you're seeing price reductions on the listing side. Uh, I don't think there's any screaming deals yet, but you're, you're at least you're directionally going the right way. So that's, I think some of it is just a mental breaking point with people and saying, okay, I get it now. I know rates aren't going to be all of a sudden going to be 5% again. It was six months ago. I really, half of our borrowers believe this bill was sort of like indicating when things were in sevens or greater, they were still in their minds thinking things would be five high fives again, somehow in like three months until the fed sort of laid out what's happening. And then I think people start, okay, this is not going to be randomly go back down Two two hundred basis points in three months. So that's what that's what I'm seeing. I I think Matt. I think I think it's a bullseye. Like think about stock market. Think about interest rates. Think about real estate values. Like when things are moving around a lot, I, I always think the smart money just takes a step back and, and and tries to figure out is this going to continue rattling back and forth or one way or the other or has it just settled down and they have a new norm and and I think that's right, Matt. Like I. Interest rate wise, it's perspective. If you look the last 12 months, interest rates suck. If you look at the last five years, interest rates are good. If you look at the last 25 years, interest rates could arguably be great. But we lived for three years in the most incredible low interest rate market where all of us got to get fat and happy about the originations. And on the conventional side, they were rewriting customers five to seven times over 36 months. Like, hey, Bill, uh, it's Matt. Just want to let you know I'm going to drop you from three and a quarter to 2.75, no point, no B, sending the documents, sign them, you know, 
and and you get a half a point rate reduction and and they would literally stair step those borrowers down. Those borrowers, for the most part, most of them were never touching those loans unless there's a death, a divorce, um, or 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 some move up or move down. I actually think you'll see seconds kind of like expanding because no one wants to touch the two or the threes. Yeah. So they'll go be there seven or eight percent on a second, and then five years from now they'll do the cash out refi at the four and a half. Like so, it's. It is, I think you're spot on, Matt. Like we're seeing like the Fed's probably close to being done. This next time, whatever they're going to do, quarter to half, probably, probably it. If if they just need to say that. Once they say it, then I I think you'll see some smart money come back. I mean, the 10-year, the 10-year is better right now. Like just think about it from perspective of uh, overnight lending rate. We're owned by a traded bank. Their overnight cost of funds have gone up significantly. But the 10-year, because I'm a mortgage guy, goes, but it's so much lower than it was three rate hikes ago. So it's it it, it, it is it's interesting that way, but I think it tells me that rates are gonna come down. If you if I had a magic bomb telling you end of the year, you're gonna see lower rates than we have today, both BPL and the conventional space. That, that's a good a good segue. And just to to sort of clarify what Bill's saying here, too, is that uh, we've discussed this on the show many times, but what the Federal Reserve controls is the federal funds rate that is not controlled mortgage rates. And the much more highly correlated uh, indicator for mortgage rates is the yield on the 10-year uh, treasury. And as Bill was just saying, despite the Fed raising the federal funds rate, the 10-year is back below 4%. I don't know where it is today. I think it was at like 3.7 yesterday or something like that. Um, and and so uh, there are indications that uh, loan rates are at least slowing down and could start coming down towards the end of 2023. That's just sort of my my take. But uh, I, And Bill, you just gave yours. Christian, where do you see rates heading over the course of 2023? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm in agreement with everybody. I think they're they're a lot more on the capital market side. So I know you guys have like a very intricate understanding, right? Me on the broker side, I'm much more client facing. Um, I obviously keep up with what's going on. What I would say is, I think I want to draw it especially to demand and what's really driving clients. I don't think it's an interest rate that everybody's looking for. I think it's just some amount of stability, right? We've been through this 12 month period where it's like, I get pre-approved and you guys know how long it takes to buy a house. It's, you know, a few days to get pre-approved. Your credit's only good for 60 days. You got to go find a realtor. You got to go tour 10 houses. You got to find one you like, you make an offer, right? There's like, there's a process to it. And a lot of times it's 60, 90, 120 days before you have a house. Well, when rates are changing by a point and a half in that time period over a 12 month period, it's like nobody wants to buy because they're like, I go get in love with getting a loan. And by the time I actually get one, we're talking about a one and a half, two percent difference in my rate. Right. So I don't think it's it's a rate everybody's looking for specifically. Like I don't think it's just a magic. Like if rates are back in the fives, we're ready to go. I think it's just like, can I just have some confidence in what my rate will be at this point? Right. Like I don't want to change this drastic amount in the time it just go takes goes and takes me to find a house. Right. Um, and I do kind of double down on what everybody's saying. I I think obviously the Fed can't do it forever, right? Um, I do think they're trying to build in wiggle room because I mean, we got down to 0%, right, at at, at, during COVID. Um, You know, I mean, historically, they've been able to use dropping interest rates to stimulate the economy and you can't drop them unless there's some margin to drop them by, right? I, I, 
that's kind of where I'm thinking is that they're building it up to a point where they have enough, you know, leverage maybe in the future to potentially stimulate again. And we play this roller coaster on and on and on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So Matt, well, one of the other things about rates, I'm curious if you have any insight on is despite the Fed, uh, you know, raising rates, they're doing their thing. The the spread between the federal funds rate and at least conventional mortgages, I'm, I'm less familiar with with the commercial side, is is abnormally high right now. Typically, it's like, you know, 170, 190 basis points. I think it's well above 200 still. Um, can you tell me, like with you and Bill, your knowledge of the capital markets, can you tell me why it's it's so much higher and if you think it's going to change in the coming year? Yeah, it, there, there's a number of things going on. As Bill indicated, like generally bond investors and broadly Wall Street right now in the last Q3, Q4, if it's a mortgage, there's a little bit of uncertainty. And that means that means buyer liquidity has drained out. Two, you have a historically large and probably unprecedented balance sheet of mortgages held by 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 the government, which never has happened before in terms of the size and scale. So they own like I forget what if, it, if it's two or three trillion, whatever it is, Bill, maybe in a, somewhere in that handle, I think of um, of mortgages, uh, and of which at some point they're going to need to sell down or let wind off. People are unsure what that's going to be. So you have this huge net seller of unprecedented size that has never existed before sitting on this inventory that maybe they could sell at some point that creates a lot of uncertainty. And then three, you have really high rates, which means that when rates are very high, people need to assume that that loan will prepay at some point. And it, it, and, and that creates this inverse. That's the tricky point. Yes. That's the bullseye right there. Yep. Couldn't agree more. He's right. Like that's it. Like Matt, that's bullseye. People, there's just, think about it, rates at 7%. Like who who believes that's going to be on the books for 30 years? Who believes that's going to be booked? I think you've got to, I think you have to have a loan on the books for like somewhere between 36 and 40 months to break even if you're a purchaser of conventional loans. I think that's the number-ish. Think about that. Like who, who, who believes a 30-year six and three quarters or seven is going to be on the books? Those suckers are going to, they're going to get a call from Christian the second rate he's got. <laughs> the, three, the three and a half skull all, all got eaten up when rates went to 299. That's, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more. That's right though, Matt. Like it's, man, it's those. And, and here's, here's kind of the scary thing that Matt mentioned earlier. You think about the government, like if they have that many loans at that low interest rate, it goes back to what we were commenting on earlier, death, divorce, some, some life-changing event before those people are going to get out of those mortgages. They can't afford a home equal to that. Most people can't when you go up to today's interest rates. And so they just sit, which, you know, puts some pressure on real estate inventory and probably helps us with valuations with all the other crap going on. Like it's, it's really, it's an interesting study, but I think the government the government's going to have to take it on the gin if they try to start offing some of those mortgages. Uh, that, that's fascinating uh, what you said, 36 to 40 months to break even on a loan. And with almost everyone predicting that rates will go down, maybe not in 23, but probably in 24 at least, um, or even 25, you know, like it, it, it that that's why the, the lenders are baking in this extra spread um, to, to, I guess, accelerate that break even point. And, and to clarify, just so you know, and everyone understands the lenders themselves, 
this is not more profitable for them. Put us aside for a second. Our our little we're we're a sliver of the mortgage market. We're or we all pump our chest and think we're big, but we're like we're like a gnat on this whole mortgage market, right? <laughs> so if you got the whole mortgage market, like those folks are not more profitable right now. Even with those spreads the way they are, they are the least profitable they've been in a long time because they're not the ones taking that margin. It's it's just a risk premium built into the market and they're selling their loans immediately and their margins are the worst they've ever been. So it's a weird dynamic right now. It, it, it went from being the greatest business to be in if you were the Loan Depot wholesale or the FOA biggies that were printing profits quarterly, like printing hundreds of millions of dollars. They couldn't cut quick enough. Couldn't cut. So it's, yeah, it's a, it, it's the bigger ones are really suffering. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of, there's like, there's like three lenders that we partner with where we have the same account executive as 12 months ago. Like there's not very many account executive is like our, I mean, we, we have over 150 lender partnerships. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it's like account executives have gotten axed across the board and it's funny, both of these guys actually have the same person, <laughs> um, but, uh, it's just wild to me that that I mean it exactly like Bill said. There is just that that they 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 cut. They just cut 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 the moment it turned. Um, that's definitely fell. Well, Matt's right. Like if you take the the biggest the biggest three lenders in our space, those lenders do as much in a year as some of these guys were doing in a week. Two yeah. Like it's just not, you know, apples and turnips. Yeah. Well, this has been fascinating and I've learned quite a lot, but uh, unfortunately we do have to get out of here, but we'd love to hear just from each of you advice you have for, for borrowers and investors uh, heading into this year and how to navigate the you know rapidly changing uh, debt markets here. So Christian, let's start with you. Do you have any uh, words of wisdom? Yeah, I think pretty much every time I've been asked, I've always answered the same way. If you, you know, the while you, you hear less people are maybe successful in real estate, less people, crypto, stock market, whatever it is, if you're surrounding yourself with knowledge and, and you know, people who are well-versed in the space, you're going to have the right guidance to be in that top 10, 20% of producers. And those are the people who make money in the hard times, right? I mean, there's still people having success in the stock market right now. It's probably the better people, right? The people who are more knowledgeable, the people who are more informed, the people who have more access. Whereas, you know, I mean, there's, there's people still succeeding in short-term rentals, right? Even though a lot of markets are impacted and a lot of markets are, are shutting them down, like the people who are well-educated and well-versed on how to run them successfully thrive throughout those times. Um, so surround yourself with it. Listen to stuff like this. Get with me, get with Bill, get with Matt. I mean, get with people who are industry, you know, professionals in the space and they know what they're doing. And um, that's all you can really do is put yourself in the best position to win. And if you win, then it's not a surprise, right? Awesome. Great. What about you, Bill? Yeah. So look, I, I've sat on so many of these panels uh, throughout the year and at the, the last six months, I kind of felt like I was a individual on an Island by myself. Like I am, I, I've heard all the doom and gloom, heard the inflation, heard the recession, heard real estate values pulled back. I've heard all of that stuff, but we're close to 6 million homes underwater in terms of supply and demand. And if you believe any of this stuff I said earlier about low interest rates and those people not refinancing or selling out of those transactions, I think it'll exasperate the problem. So I am like really bullish on real estate, short and long term. I think you can get a better deal today than you could six months. You could negotiate a little bit. You could demand a little bit more. You're not paying over 
list price. If you're, you're getting contingencies on your deals, you're getting seller concessions on points, you're getting all that stuff. Yeah. That's great. So I'm bullish on real estate. And if I was to give a recommendation, I think you got to get your partnerships in line. So you hook up with a company like Matt's or ours on the BPL side. You hook up with a company like Christian's on the conventional. You get a kick-ass realtor. You get some kick-ass contractors. You get some good vendor relationships. And I, I, I think partnerships today will, will make a big difference as we go through 23 and 24 in terms of what investors believe uh, is successful or not. Awesome. Great. Well, Matt, take us out. What's your uh, advice for any borrowers this coming year? The one thing I'd say to borrowers, I say to myself is I try not to bet on interest rates. Okay. Because it's one of the craziest things in the world to bet on. So it's not an all or nothing decision you're making. If you're out there buying 10 properties over the next two years or multiply that by however big you are, you, you can spread that, spread that decision over 10 or 20 decisions over the next two years. So you don't have to, you're not making one big bet. Okay, this month, I I don't know, maybe my rate's a little bit higher than it should have been. But maybe next month or three months from now, it's a little bit lower than it, than, than it was. And you're really just, like, if you've heard the concept of dollar cost averaging in stock market, I don't look at it that dissimilarly to borrowing is that you just need to look at it over a couple year period and say, all right, I won some, I lost some. What's my average over that time frame? And I comfortable and the deal's pen, still pencil. That's That's the way I look at it. That's great advice. I like that a lot. All right. Well, thank you all. Matt, uh, where can people connect with you if they want to learn more? Sure. Uh, LendingOne.com. Uh, we'll take care of you. Just call in. You can call in. You'll get someone live. We're staffed all the time. So it's probably the easiest. All right. Great. What about you, Bill? CivicFS.com. All right. And Christian? Uh, same thing. TheOneBrokerage.com. All of us are just companyname.com. Um, yeah, all of us are pretty easy to find. We're all on bigger pockets too. Making it easy. Yeah, we're all on bigger pockets if you go to the Find a Lender tool as well. Um, bigger pockets are an awesome resource to get to, to to find someone. All right, thank you. Well, well, appreciate you all being here and sharing your insight and experience. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon. Good stuff, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. All right, big thanks to Christian, Bill, and Matt for sharing their insight and knowledge with us. That was super interesting. I, I learned a lot. And I think the main thing I want to reiterate, uh, and this is something people ask me all the time. They're like, what what interest rate should I be looking for? Or I don't think I qualify for this kind of loan or this kind of loan. And they ask me, and I, I have no idea. So I, I really think that in this type of environment, it's super important to just, just connect with a lender. Even if you don't do a deal, just go call two or three of them. As we, as we just learned on this show, people are getting interest rates in the 5% using seller buy-downs and buying points. And there's all these different products that lenders are coming up with to incentivize people to buy right now and to borrow right now. And so don't just assume because you see some headline um, either in the media or uh, in the newspaper or whatever um, that says that interest rates are at 7%. There are different products available, especially for investors than just those top line things. So that was my number one takeaway from this is just talk to someone and see if if your assumptions are right or learn more about some creative ways to potentially borrow on any of the deals that you're looking to do over the coming year. Uh, so that's it for us today. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, we really appreciate a five-star review on either Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions about this episode, you can find me on either Bigger Pockets or on Instagram where I'm at the Data Deli. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time for On the Market. 
On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. And a big thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but at the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market. It's about the amount of time you have in the market. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that, or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.